0: If somebody's struggling with, you know, am I elect or not? What do you say to them? Well, you need to believe. You need to trust in Jesus. It will only take one rogue molecule to put God's purpose completely out of kilter.
1: You're listening to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 34. We're continuing in our third series called Confessional Life where Derek and I discuss some of the basics of the Westminster Confession of Faith and what it means to live it out. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Press. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time giving us a listen, we want to welcome you. We appreciate you taking the time to check us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can visit our webpage, which is firstprescolumbiaorg forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbiaorg forward slash 1A. To find out how to contact us or how to subscribe, listen to the end of the show. If you do find this ministry useful, then subscribe using the application of your choice, and every Monday a new episode will be waiting for you. Also, while you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. In this episode, Derek and I conclude our discussion on the third chapter of the Confession of God's Eternal Decrees. We pick up with a further discussion of the credentials of both infra- and supra-lapsarianism. We talk the pastoral nature of this chapter's conclusion, and then we have the next installment of our Orthodox or Not segment. The holidays are upon us, and that means we are rapidly approaching our winter break. But don't fret, we'll be back in the spring. Until then, if you have any feedback for us, don't hesitate to contact us now let's get to our show. I remember when I came to seminary this was the thing infra versus super lapsarian where if you really wanted to show your reformed colors you you were a super lapsarian uh, but th- this issue is one of those issues that every 10th day i'm i'm i mean i'm probably infralapsarian though i don't know that i have a handle on all, on all the nuances um every 10th day though i could be pushed to be supra i think you know and and i struggle here i i, I go back and forth uh,
0: i th- i think that the prevailing consensus in say the world of presbyterianism or or the world of reformed theology let's let's broaden it to the world of reformed theology including Including, say, Reformed Baptists and the, and the 1689 Baptist Confession, that the prevailing culture of our day, I think, is infralipsarian. Mm. And, I mean, to the point that some well known uh, names, I mean, extremely well known names, have insisted that the Westminster Confession is an infralipsarian mm. document. And mm. I reject that totally. Right simply from historical reasons, because the chairman of the Westminster um, Assembly, uh, William Twiss, had written a 900-page book on the doctrine of election in which he had expounded his superlipsarian credentials. Right. Right, so there was no way he was going to play dead just for the sake of the Right. I think that the, the wording of the confession is deliberately capable of being read in two different ways, mm. to accommodate Infra and superlipsarians. Mm. Um, having said that, I mean I've said this many times, but having said that, um, I used to ask my dog, Jake, <laughs> who's who's now dead, um, but I used to ask him every night. I would get get out of bed and I'd lie down beside him, and I would and he would be you know asleep.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'd whisper in his ear and I'd say, "Are you a super lipsarian? <laughs> and you'd. You'd hear his little tail <laughs> wagging.
1: And uh, so he was my super dog. <laughs> I remember you asked us this question in uh, systematic theology. And me and all of my counselor friends, to the best of our ability as we understood it, um, probably all came down infra. And you asked why. And it may have been me. But it may have been one of the other counselors as well. Said something about wanting to protect God from the accusation that He was um, the author of sin, or that He was somehow condemning when when we wanted to, to to isolate Him from that or protect Him from that. And I remember, I remember you looked at us and you said, "God doesn't need your protection." Right? Did I say
0: that? I think it is a difficult position to hold. Yeah. Um, you know that God would create a creature with the intention of consigning that creature to hell. Yeah, I mean that's a very difficult position to hold. Yeah. Um, when you put it as crassly as that. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think evangelistically, it's a it's an easier uh, thing to say. No, God created human beings with in a universe in which it was possible to fall right uh, and that the reason for their for their consignment to hell is their sinfulness
1: this section actually ends uh, uh, or this chapter ends with section 8 in section 8 let me just read it it says the doctrine of this high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care that men attending the will of god revealed in his word and yielding obedience thereunto thereunto may from the certainty of their effectual vocation be assured of their eternal election so shall this doctrine afford a matter of praise reverence and admiration of god and of humility diligence and abundant consolation to all that sincerely obey the gospel it's a very pastoral way to end what is a very difficult, logical section. I can't think off the top of my head of another chapter that ends this way, with this sort of pastoral concern um, necessarily, or as explicitly. Let me say that. Um, why do you think they wanted to end this chapter that way? Calvin. Calvin wrote the Institutes
0: in 1536, the first sort of major edition of 1539. And in that first edition of the Institutes, the doctrine of election occurred where it logically belongs in the section on providence in book one. It's where it belongs. It's where you would treat it if you were doing systematic theology. Election and predestination is covered in the doctrine of God. Right. And the doctrine of the decrees, it's here in chapter four. Uh, and it's not in chapter 18 or 19. Right. Um, but Calvin, by the final edition in 1559, moved the doctrine of election into book three, mm. where he's actually treating um, the application of redemption. And, and And he does that purely out of pastoral considerations because the doctrine of election raises the pastoral issue if... If my being in heaven is a matter of God's decree, how can I know that he has decreed it mm. Mm. How can I know my election? How can I know if i'm elect right. you know i can't i I can't break into the book of life the hard drive and and see you know is my name there right so so how can I know that and And the only answer that you can give, how do you know your election, you know your election as subsequent to believing in Jesus Christ and not prior to? Right. Though logically the order is is prior, right? Logically the order is prior. Right. But if somebody's struggling with, you know, am I elect or not? What do you say to them? Well, you need to believe. You need to trust in Jesus. Yeah. You go to him and trust in him and say, nothing in my hands I bring, and those who believe in jesus he will save and therefore you are elect it's in one sense the order in which you find it in romans right Mm -hmm. paul has dealt with the application of redemption in the first eight chapters and then in the in the ninth chapter he takes up the doctrine of election right but in ephesians it's the other way around Mm. right election occurs in chapter one Mm. in ephesians and then he talks about the application of redemption and and the christian life and so on in the rest of the epistle so you know is it is it romans is it ephesians right and there's an argument for both and i think that the the divines here are are saying it's ephesians Mm because in a confession of faith that's where it belongs right but they are they are aware in 1645 that a hundred years and more of really heated debate has taken place on the doctrine of election mm. and some of it has not been conducive to the production of assurance mm. which is why the the confession is going to have an entire chapter on assurance
1: do you remember i i've probably told this story at least once on this podcast before But um, when I was your assistant back in Jackson and I was working on updating the language of William Perkins and one of the first, you know, there's another uh, research assistant had done it and then I was picking it up. And by the time I picked it up, the first title that I picked up from William Perkins that I was to update was on how to tell a reprobate in the church. Right, which, which, of course, is a big issue for William Perkins because he's at a place where everyone went to church. And so how do you tell pastorally who who is there just because they have to be versus who's there because they love Jesus? Um, and he went through this list of things. right? He doesn't love God's word enough, doesn't love God's people enough, all, all of these things. And I remember reading these and being scared to death. Like, I can see myself in these and it scares me. And so the very the very first week I worked for you, we came together in the cafeteria there. I've got this, this list. And I think I teared up. And I was like, Derek, this scares me. And I don't know what it means about me. And your reply was four words, run to the cross. I will never forget it. It was one of the most helpful things I've ever heard. Because I was at this point where I was really struggling. And what I needed was not some formulation and not some questions. It was a reminder to hold on to Jesus. Uh, Okay, so let's wrap up with um, the orthodox or not statement um, to evaluate quickly. So I I actually want to look at at two things and see uh, one of them I'm pretty sure, the other one I'm interested in where... what you'll say. So this statement you hear both of these often. One is God didn't want this to happen, and in, in the application, somebody loses a loved one or or some tragedy. God didn't want this to happen. And then the other thing you hear people say is God didn't mean for this to happen. So are either or both of those orthodox? Well,
0: the first one is orthodox. There are lots of things God doesn't want to happen. You know, he doesn't want you to cheat or lie or steal um, and, and a million other things, which you do. Right. right. So we distinguish between the will of God's events and the will of God's, this is the modern, the decretive and pre, 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 preceptive will of God. Right. So the will of God's events and the will of God's decree. Right. And um, we, we separate those things. So So there is a will of God that we pray will be done. I will be done. Yeah. Right. We we try to discern what is God's
1: will. Right. Right? So that, that was one of them. But the other one is... And God didn't mean for this to happen. So, so one was once, and there are things that God doesn't want for us to do that we do. And then the other one, people often say, is God didn't mean for this. To
0: right. And again, I think you have to nuance that because there are circumstances in the Bible where God seems to change his mind. Right. About which you might say, God didn't mean for that to happen. God didn't mean for Saul to become king, right? Right, So he repents. He re- and 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 we say, no, God, God was always in charge. He always knew what he was doing. He's, right. But he's simply speaking here in language that we can understand. Right. But if you mean God didn't mean for that to happen, God. Wasn't in charge and therefore couldn't help, right? What happened?
1: Something like the Sandy Hook right. massacre, where people right. and I, I think I remember a pastor specifically, right, saying God didn't mean for this to happen. And and that
0: and that is a pretty typical response to pain and suffering and trial, and and disaster, to say that God wasn't in this. Yeah, so as so not to blame god for the trial or the difficulty or, or in some way make him culpable of mm. sin in right. some way right. and and that simply will not do you know if if you're going to say all things work together for good the all has to be comprehensive mm. it will only take one one rogue molecule Mm. To put God's purpose completely out of kilter. Mm.
1: Mm. You know, sometimes people ask in a counseling room, why did God allow thus and such? Now, I, I don't think I would ever say this in reply, but I wonder, is it more theologically accurate to ask the question, why did God decree thus and such? Rather than just allow.
0: Right, and you know most of the most of the time, our answer is going to be, "I have no idea." Right, I mean, I don't know. Yes, uh, that's the answer Job got.
1: Yeah.
0: Where were you? Yeah. Right, he didn't get an answer. Yeah. Um, and I and I think then, we say it's not important for you to understand or know what's important is that he understands and knows, right. and you and you need to trust him.
1: you have been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all our episodes, which you can find on our webpage at firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1a at FirstPrescolumbia.org. That's 1a at org. Or via our Twitter account, which is at 1apodcast. That's at 1apodcast. Or by phone, 803-281-1795. 803-281-1795. For Dr. Thomas, I'm Josh Squires. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless.